welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. If you would stand for our scripture reading today, as you know, if you were here last week, we're in this series we're calling Reboot, beginning of the year, kind of a way to reset some areas that perhaps slip and slide a little bit and every now and then need a refresh. And so last week we talked about marriage. Today we're talking about mission. And to get us into this, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, disciples are gathered, people around him. And in verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. In that passage, it's always helpful when you see that word you to think uh, on two levels, to think individually, to think communally. Usually in the New Testament, when you see the little three-letter word you, it's a plural you. So it's really speaking to a group of people, the disciples, the community of God's people, whatever you prefer. It's good for us to recognize as we think about that, there's also this individual piece. Uh, my responsibility, my calling, what God would have me do to be the light of the world in the places and the spaces I inhabit, what he would call us to do and to be in the places and the spaces we inhabit as a church community. So this is a basic foundational kind of teaching uh, in the Bible. God's plan is really simple. God's plan is to form a people, a community, and through that community's transformation, through that community's life together, through that community's Christ-likeness, both at an individual level and at the communal level, plan, God's plan A is to use that community to show other people who God is and what life can be like uh, in his kingdom and with him. That's the plan. It's been the plan since everything began, and it continues to be the plan. God calling together a people and sending them out to be light in an increasingly dark world. Now, I was thinking about this as it relates to this series, Reboot. And here's the predominant thought that came to me over and over and over again. It's real simple. This was the thought. The last thing anybody, at least at this church, needs is another boring sermon on mission. Why? Because I've given tons of boring sermons on mission over the years. We've talked about this over and over and over again, and I do not believe that the primary thing in our way that keeps us from living on mission, whether it's in our own lives or as a community, I don't think the primary block is some sort of unawareness that we are called to or uncertainty that God would have us do this or sort of mystery surrounding what is God's plan A. I don't think that's the block. I think the block is how do you do it? What does it look like? What, how do we actually live this out in the places and in the spaces we inhabit, like our neighborhood or the workplace or out in the community of Folsom in the surrounding area 
or as a community of the church, what does mission actually look like? So I decided today was not going to be a typical sermon on mission, but rather what seems to me to be the thing that helps people on this subject uh, is stories. Stories of people who are finding ways to live out this teaching in Matthew 5 and doing their best with God's help to be light in this dark world. So today's uh, message time is organized around four interviews where you're going to hear from four different people and and groups of people who are going to talk about their experience in mission as it relates to uh, the space and the places where they inhabit. So you're going to hear from some people and they're going to talk about their mission in the neighborhood. You're going to hear from someone who's going to talk about her mission at her job where she works. You're going to hear from some people who are talking about the mission that they're on in our community to help certain people, and then you're going to hear from someone who's going to talk about the things that we have available as a church so that we can be a community that is living on mission in our, uh, in our city and in surrounding areas. So to start with, let's talk about mission in our neighborhood, and to help us with this, give a welcome to our own Karen and Sean Young. By the way, don't take this as a critique, but that was a lame welcome for Karen and Sean Young. Thank you. I guess we need Alyssa with some woo-hoo action to get this rolling. But so Karen and Sean, <laughs> I was kidding. Maybe I need uh, Karen and Sean, you guys have been up here before and in various capacities talking about the mission in your neighborhood, where you live, what you're doing there. And I wasn't here, but my understanding is last summer you shared a bit about what's going on and some things you're trying to do in your neighborhood to live on mission. So why don't you just start by recapping maybe what you said when you were here before and some of the things you're trying to do in your neighborhood. Okay, great. Um, So uh, what we've talked about is over the last, feels like a couple years now, Uh, Sean had connected with some of the other men in our neighborhood and found that they had a common hobby of brewing beer. And so they decided to have what they named, and appropriately, a brew fest, like a block party in the neighborhood. And so that's sort of how it all began. It was um, a big deal. People, lots of neighbors came and checked it out. But also there were a number of, they were inviting people from their work and from their different places that they hung out, their environment, to come hang out for the annual brew fest as well. It's now turned into a May-October thing. Um, it's now Oktoberfest in October and the Brewfest in May. Um, and there's so is it May through October or yeah. May <laughs> no, and just October? Two just, just two events. Two okay. Time. I thought that time. needed yeah. to be clarified. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's grown into food and, and activities and that kind of thing. So it's sort of in summary, what we've been up to and what we shared about this. So this, and this allows, obviously, this allows for getting together, getting to know people, uh, building relationship with your neighbors. Correct, yeah. Yeah. And so how it's grown and developed since then is we were thinking about being intentional. And so this idea of not just doing things for our neighbors or um, to our neighbors um, with one-time events, but what does it look like to actually be with our neighbors? And so um, we, I thought that um, Halloween was coming up after the last Oktoberfest, 
and we hand out candy like all our neighbors do. Why don't we do that together? Yeah. So it became a vision of all meeting up in our driveway and all of us handing out the candy. And one of the beautiful things about that, they were all for that, was then there were other people from other areas of our lives that came and joined in, up in that as well. So a lot of our friends from Peterson Place were trick-or-treating in the neighborhood. And so it became food, it became handing out candy, there was a fire pit. Um, and it became what I started calling um, cross-contamination. And what I mean by that is, a lot of times we compartmentalize our lives, mm -hmm. kind of like food, we're supposed to keep the meat away from the vegetables because you know everyone will get sick. And we kind of compartmentalize our lives, like this might be my bunko friends, and this might be my travel friends, and these are my Christian friends. But we've been like inviting people to sort of cross-contaminate, and it's been a really, a really beautiful thing to see how that's grown and how that's expanded. So you, you're touching on something as you, you mentioned you guys have been working, kind of working on this and praying about this for a couple of years. Probably one of the important things is to talk about, the. I mean, it's an experiment, right? And there's no formula for this. What have you been learning in addition to what you just said? What are the things you've been learning as you've been kind of doing this in your own neighborhood? Yeah, like uh, one of the things is just that it doesn't have to be some big special event. You know, it can... It can really just start with a few people that you know, uh, gathered together in your backyard or your living room or your or your driveway. Um, but uh, the the um, one, one of the things that I've been learning is how important it is to sort of share ownership of whatever it is that you're doing, and so like to invite people into the vision of it and and to like actually providing for it. And so uh, one example of that is. So, so this is um, the latest T-shirt for Oktoberfest that one of our neighbors who's a graphic artist said, oh, I can make a T-shirt mm. for our event. So then people are walking around with our T-shirts. So now we have a brand, which is really nice. Uh, but no, if, if, uh, the more ways that people have to contribute to the vision of what, what you're doing, actually the better. It doesn't have to be like... Uh, you own everything, you do everything, you plan everything, and the burden is on you alone to carry it out. So it sounds like a lot of this, or at least so far, is, for lack of a better way of putting it, kind of breaking down that barrier that even though we live with, uh, near and next to some people, sometimes we're very far away from them because we have garage doors that close with the push of a button and we all have a fence. So here, here's a question, and I, I think about this sometimes, when I hear people talk about this, some of what you're talking about could be construed as, well, that's just being a good neighbor. That's just being nice people and you know, not causing trouble in your neighborhood and trying to foster a sense of we're good neighbors. Okay, so the, the question is, what makes what you're talking about missional versus someone who just wants to be a good neighbor? Yeah, uh, I'll take a shot at that. So... Uh, Really, mission, I think, how you could think of it this way is it's just friendship plus intention. And so for us, we're just, our intention, or, or maybe our operating assumption is that God is always moving. Like God is moving in people's lives all the time in ways that we, we may perceive or not perceive. And our job uh, is to be friends who are on the watch for what God is up to, and then an ounce of courage in conversations that we're having, because God like serves up these softballs 
in the midst of just natural everyday conversations. He just opens the way for, for something because of what one of our neighbors says or just a situation we're in where we have the choice. Like, will we actually uh, um, open up and say something about the goodness we're experiencing from God or the difference God has made in our life in that area that we're talking about? Like, if we will go through that door, friendship plus intention becomes mission. I have a specific example um, of what that looks like. So as we're hanging out with neighbors, especially early on, inevitably they're going to ask, what do you do? How do you spend your time? Um, Those really basic questions. And in that moment, I have a chance to go and just tell them about my work or what some of my hobbies are. But I try to intentionally talk about, I'm actually currently leading something at my church. Um, I try to make sure that I bring in an element of what's happening in my life with God, whether it be something I'm doing, people I'm involved with. And even sometimes they'll ask questions right there, but inevitably, every time, they'll come back later. If there's a group there, they'll come back to me privately and ask me about what church do I go to, or how long, or am I a Christian, and what's that about? And then they'll start telling me their story. So I often find that it's just, we approach it with, our goal is always to want to point people toward Jesus in every environment we're in. And so we're watching for those opportunities, and then we're taking the risk and watching how people respond. That's great. That's great. One other thing, Sean, I'm going to throw this one at you uh, kind of off the cuff, but you, have, you and I have talked about this for years and years, going back to soccer days and all that. When you, You've often talked about, and I've heard you do this, where asking a question, ask, finding in that moment of courage a way to ask a question that might get the person thinking. Just talk about that for a second. Uh, I just, uh, I learned as a young man that one of the best ways you can love people is to listen intently to what's going on in their life and then to ask a thoughtful question. Um, so I don't know, that comes up in lots of different ways, but um, uh, I guess it's just an art you cultivate um, that that flows out of a genuine interest in in who you're with. Awesome. So some of you might be interested in your neighborhood. What could we do? What could I do? What could we do in our neighborhood? In addition to his work with InterVarsity, Sean does work here at Oak Hills and helps us with this very subject of how do we help people live on mission. Uh, where they are in their job or in their neighborhood. So Sean's email is up on the screen, assuming that's correct. Yes, good. So if you're interested in that, jot that email down. You can reach out to Sean, and and he'd be glad to get together with you and talk more about it. Very good. Thank you, guys. So a second obvious live on mission, many of us think about this all the time is, well, I have a job that I go to. I live where I live, and I have a job I go to. And what Karen said is pretty crucial on this, of how sometimes we fall in the trap of, well, this is my job, and then we just go do it. But things like our faith and living on mission don't really have anything to do with how we do our job. And that's an area that, again, I think we need to reconsider and reboot in. So welcome Selena Zavala as she comes to share. So this has to do with, 
in our job, our vocation, wherever that might be? How do you live out mission uh, in, in the workplace? So tell us where you work and what you do. Well, as you know, I'm Selena Savala. <laughs> mm. And um, I work security at Target. So you got the Target red on today, I see. I do. Yes. I had to represent. Rep. You know. Yes, that's good. That's good. So just tell us a bit about what does that mean, working security? Just give a little bit of a picture of your job. Um, well, my job, um, what I do is try to provide guest service. I'm like the face of the store. Once someone walks in, you know, I smile, I greet them. Um, I also try or work on preventing theft um, and provide a safe environment. Okay. So... That's a job, you go there every day. So what does being missional or living on mission look like in the work you do at Target? Well, um, like Karen mentioned, you know, I'm intentional. Um, to me, I, so I do deal with different type of guests. Um, I start off usually when I'm greeting and saying hi, I see my, you know, the regular guests that come in and I can carry a small conversation and I'm intentional on asking them questions about themselves. Um, when it's my lunch break, I make sure I don't eat alone. I go sit with the coworker and intentionally ask them questions about themselves or I make extra lunch and bring it in. Um, so when you say I make sure we get this. When you say guests, you're talking about people who come to Target to, to buy stuff. Yes. And you get to know them because you're paying attention. You get to know some of them because you're paying attention. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so is there a, you don't have to go into the particulars, but give an example of a time when you would have asked one of these questions or otherwise greeted somebody and something happened there in terms of the conversation or the, uh, the dialogue, it went beyond just, hi, how are you, I'm fine, but something actually happened. Yeah, so um, there was one time that, you know, I'm standing at the door and it's my job to pay attention and look around and read body language in case there is theft or anything that's going on. And I did hear somebody weeping um, in the area there at my job. And I kept looking back um, to see what was going on. So because I'm safety, I had the opportunity to go up and ask if the person was okay. And um, they actually started telling me they were having a really hard time. Um, so on the walkie, I let my other um, coworker know that I'll just be a moment. Um, with a guest, and I was able to sit down and talk to this person, and they opened up to me and shared that they were just having a really hard time, and they didn't know the direction they were going in. And um, the only thing that came to my mind was to pray for them. So I asked them, you know, can I pray with you? And um, I did, and we're actually friends now. Behind because of that. <laughs> so that's, that was an opportunity. Yeah. I always just try to see what God wants, you know, to use me to help someone else. So the last thing I want to ask you about is you're, you're getting up every day, you're going to Target, and everybody here has something. They're either going to 
you know, deal with their kids or they're going to some job somewhere else. So how do you get yourself into a place where you're not just going to work, punching the clock, doing your thing, you know, but there's, there's obviously more to it than that. You're intentional, your eyes are open, you're, you're taking risks, just like Sean and Karen said. How do you get into that space to be able to go to work like that? Well, my job can be very challenging because I do deal with death and I do have to um, deal with negativity as well. So um, to prepare myself in the morning, I get in my car, I put worship music on, and um, I give myself a moment, I breathe. And on my way driving to work every morning, it's like, I'm just praying to God, like, God, you know, use me, renew my mind, prepare me for today, um, let it be for your glory, let my words be your words, um, let me just meet one person today, whoever it is that you want me to meet to share your gospel, you know. And you, when you talked about going into the parking lot, mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah, I get into the parking lot and immediately it's like, you know, I just start praying for the whole parking lot. For the guests, you know, my team members, um, just, I just ask God to multiply their blessings. So you got to think about this. How many gazillion times have any one of us been to Target? And to think that someone like Selena is inside and she's prayed for the parking lot. She's prayed for people coming. She's inside the store doing her job and fulfilling her calling by keeping her eyes open in a prayerful heart and interacting with people, trusting that God is at work and something can happen. I was over, I met uh, Selena over at the Tarbucks, as it's called, <laughs> inside of uh, Starbucks. And the other day, just to talk about what we we're going to talk about today, we chatted for a few minutes. And as I was leaving, so I got up, I'm leaving, I'm getting ready to head out the door, so you don't even, <laughs> he's looking at me like, what are you going to say? But I was heading out the door, and I hear coming from a distance, hi, how are you today? In the most enthusiastic way, you were either going to the Starbucks counter, or there was somebody else doing exactly what she's talking about doing. So mission at work, again, there's nothing dramatic about it. It's a prayerful engagement with intention. So thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So another feature of this idea of living on mission is the mission that we have as a local church in our surrounding community, in Folsom, Sacramento, even around the world with some of the ministry partners that we have. And so we want to talk today a little bit about mission in the community and one of the things, if you've been here a bit, you may have sensed this, that increasingly we see a good part of our work as a church as being in the community, in the surrounding area, for the community. And one of the bits of good news in all this, one of the things that is hopeful and encouraging that uh, we are aware of is many of you, many of you, are actually living on mission in your job in your neighborhood. Many of you are involved in things that are influencing our community for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of Jesus. And that is an exciting thing to think about 
even as we embark on this little bit of this dream time of we have some freed up resources and how might God lead us to use those. So I want to bring up to talk more about mission in community, Greg Rosler, Cass Mastropalo, and Kaylin Linden. Give these guys a welcome. So the three of us got together the other day to talk a bit about this, and I want to start off with the guys to your right. You guys obviously have incredible stories. I heard them. Some of others have here have heard or watched a video about them. Uh, so Cass, let's start with you and just take your time and tell a bit of your story, kind of growing up and where you came from. Hey, my name is Cass. As you all can see, I do sign language. I'm hard of hearing. I go to a deaf school known as Gallaudet University. So um, my story started out as um, me being born in Haiti. We don't know my actual birthday, but um, we think I was born around 1999. And then um, after that, I happened to you know, be born to my parents, biological, and then they put me in the street or they gave me the some, you know, random person. And then after that, I was like living in the street and I was um, eating from trash. I was sleeping on trash. And then after that, I um, was going through struggles of like sickness, malnutrition, tuberculosis, measles, typhoid, disabilities like learning disabilities, PTSD, ADHD, um, hearing loss. We didn't know that because at the time, we, you know, I didn't go to a doctor, but then one day, random people just happened to capture me. They took me to the slave market. They branded me. You can see on my left arm, right here. Now some people, now some people think, oh, they're just gonna feed you, they're gonna help you out, they're gonna prepare you for the future, but that's not what it's about. What they do is they abuse kids or adults. They force them to sleep on floors. They also force them not to eat. So I've been starving. That's where I got my malnutrition from. One day the uh, missionary, she was walking by a white woman she saw me and decided to pay 60 bucks for me. And then she had me go to a home that is called the orphanage. And the family in Ohio wanted to adopt. They had two kids at the time. So two older uh, sisters, 
they um, saw me first and they decided they wanted me. And then I was adopted on December 29th, 2005, at about uh, six years old. I was struggling when I got to America with um, school, how to play with other kids, um, eating. And I also struggle with like communication because uh, English is not my first language. My first language was Creole. But what happened was my parents both signed me up for football in fifth grade. I succeeded at that early on from high school, even though I was mostly in an all-white community that didn't support me because I was black, different from everyone, hard of hearing, only person that was partially deaf in my community, which led me to being at Gallaudet University today, the deaf, hard of hearing school. We communicate with sign language, we read lips, we read expression, body language. And for football, we play just like hearing people. Some people may think, oh, you guys just play other deaf schools. You guys can't play football. Or you guys, um, you know, you guys are different from us. But no, that's not the point. We also use a, a drum to help us with the communication and alert us. And then I don't know how many of you have watched football recently, but the AT&T commercial is about Gallaudet University and the technology they've been creating to help the deaf, hard of hearing community. And hopefully someday it will spread around the football community too. Amazing story, Chris. So, just tell everybody, and then we'll go to you, Kaylin. Tell everybody how old you were when you were taken and put into slavery. When I was taken to child slavery, I was about three years old at the time. So, even more intense. Kaylin, your story. Uh, how y'all doing? My name is Kaylin. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles. I'm 26. Uh, I'm adopted myself, and so what happened was my both mom was in jail at the time when she had me, and so I was put into a hospital, and my adopted mom, who was actually a nurse at the time, interning 26 years ago, and so I was really sick at the time. I was in a hospital for about four months, premature, and that's why I have one arm. I have a lot of disabilities. You know, I'm hearty for myself. And so she saw me and kind of just fell in love, you know, and saw me for there and she wanted to take me home. And I got put into a beautiful, loving family. And growing up, you know, she put me into football, you know, and growing up playing football, aversion all the, all the disabilities I have, you know, inspired many little kids and even adults, you know, and it's a beautiful thing to do. And I fell in love with football too and been playing football for about 20 years, and playing at Gallagher University now, too, and just trying to 
inspire others to do what I can do. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys for sharing that. That is, those are just powerful stories of uh, how God intervened in your lives and, and brought you to the point you're at. So let me go over to you, Greg. Uh, talk about Playmakers. Some people here may not know what Playmakers is, but just give a quick flyover of Playmakers. Well, um, we, at our core, we're a mentoring organization, and we use, uh, we use uh, sports um, and football. You're not familiar with football, but um, <laughs> organized football. Yes. We use, uh, we use sports and working with kids with developmental differences as kind of the, the, the conduit. We do that uh, not only here, but we do that in different places around the country, and we use student-athletes people of influence on campuses, whether it's high school or college, um, to facilitate those. And then uh, from there, it creates relationships ongoing, because the one-day events, sure. they're, you know, yeah. they're fun, but, but we want ongoing relationship. And we want it facilitated by, by student-athletes that can help understand better inclusiveness and leadership and uh, and just uh, develop a heart for others and not about themselves. Yeah, and so talk about how these guys and playmakers the connection. Well, it, I, I met uh, I met Cass through uh, doing a camp at Gallaudet University, one of our playmaker days back in Washington D.C. And not knowing Cass, he said, "I want to do more with these kids, and um, uh, can can I help? Can I do more?" And so we, I said, sure. And he said, may I send you my story? And, um, and I said, absolutely. I had no idea. And so I got home, and he sent me, uh, 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 CNN had done a special on Cass, and he sent me the story that you guys just heard. And I'm going, oh, my God, what do we, what do, we do here? And, um, and so... Cass is, uh, Cass is getting ready to graduate and believes that he wants to come on board with, uh, with Playmakers uh, on, a, on a full-time basis. And, and then Kalen I just meet because he's a teammate of Cass's and, and Kalen's saying, hey, how do, we, how do we get Playmakers involved and how do we, how do, we do more leadership things at Gallaudet? So, so we have the opportunity to work together with him at Gallaudet, and this is Cass's first visit to California and the Pacific Ocean. And if, it, if it's okay, their first kind of very early exposure to church and yeah. faith and God, and, and, and they were sitting, they, they were signing. I said, hey, you guys can sing if you want. And so they started singing, and, uh, and they joined the prayer group, and, and then they looked over and they saw Fife signing uh, worship with them, and they're going, wow. So, <laughs> so they're That's getting, awesome. I, I say all that to say they're getting a sample of our church and our community and, our, yeah. and how we roll. That's awesome. That's great. So this obviously is the tip of the iceberg with these two guys and with what the role is with Playmakers. So... Right after this service, first of all, if you're interested in Playmakers, you can see Greg's email up on the screen. Same thing. Email him, and, and he can help you learn how to get involved. Right after this service, there's over in the family auditorium, there will be a gathering to hear more from these guys. There's also 
going to be pizza. Here's my suggestion. After this service, get a cup of coffee and go eat pizza for breakfast. And then after the second service, you can get a soda and go eat pizza for lunch. And Randy, you don't have anything to do today after the service. There's no game on or anything, or so don't worry Sean about it. maybe Young can just bring some beer over well, from his... Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Is that a, is that a, oh. No, Sean's in trouble. He just doesn't know it. But anyway, uh, so this is really cool. Thank you guys Thank you. for being vulnerable and for sharing. All right? Thank you. So the last thing is, and if you, uh, you may know this, but there are many things that we're seeking to do to be on mission as a community. So Playmakers is one of our ministry partners. Heart, obviously. Uh, Zach prayed earlier for Heart. Uh, Heart is one of our uh, ministry partners that we support in a variety of ways uh, through the use of our building and other ways. And so we have a variety of local and overseas ministry partners that we're connected with, and we're seeking to partner with them uh, in the work that they're doing around the world. So I would call this our mission, part of our mission as a community, that we aren't just here for ourselves, but to give ourselves away for the sake of the world. And so there's this uh, mission as a community thing. This is where we practice this light of the world uh, that Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 5. And like I mentioned, we got local partners, we have overseas partners. For a long time, Emily Huey was our staff coordinator with these ministry partners. We recently hired somebody new, so I want to invite Nina Conrad, if you would come and talk a bit about these things. Welcome, Nina. And uh, some people may not know who you are, so tell a bit about your story. Sure. My name is Nina Conrad, and my husband, Sean, he's up in the booth there, and uh, we have two daughters, Isabella and Arbita. Uh, we've been attending Oak Hills for um, a little over two years, um, and we live in Fulton. So just so everybody knows, I talk a lot about a church of difference. You know, we want different people, right? And just so you know how I live that out, Sean is a Bears fan. <laughs> well, we hired Nina forget. anyway. Yes, he never so. lets me forget. <laughs> so uh, you're in this role, you're just kind of getting started, you've only been at it maybe a week and a half or two weeks, so I know that a lot of it is new, but it, just even interacting with you prior to this, you have a passion for mission and mission, so talk about where that originated. Um, so I was born and raised uh, in India, and I came to the U.S. Uh, in 2002, uh, and I came to Christ when I was in India in, during my undergraduate days. Um, and what was unique about that, that season in my life was I grew up in a Christian home, or I should say a nominal Christian home. But coming to college and in that season of homesickness, the Lord met me in a personal way and also took me to uh, a church. So I was involved in college campus ministries and I was taken to a church, a small house church. We were about 15 or 18 people. And what I saw there get emulated by our pastor and all of them was they were reaching out to uh, the people around them. And these are Hindu families. And in that process, one of my classmates, who was a Hindu girl, and one of my roommates, again, another Hindu girl, they came to Christ. And I got to see firsthand not just what co that cost them in coming to faith in Jesus, but also what that meant for the church. You know, there were threats and all of that. And I was like... Oh, this message is 
for me, it's changed my life, but it changes the lives of other people in such miraculous ways, and only God can do that. So I think that was the birth of a missions um, uh, you know, experience of like, oh, Lord, I want to be a part of this message being s spread out. To the, uh, at least at that point, it was my community. Fast forward to 2002, I came to Ohio State to go to grad school, and I was looking for a church and I ended up in a, it was called All Nations Christian Fellowship. And truly, as All Nations, uh, the name represents, we had people from literally every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that was when God brought Revelation 7, 9, where it talks about people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship the king, will worship God in heaven. And that image sort of started to change that it's, not just within my community, but also globally, internationally, how the message of Christ truly changes lives. And I think one other thing, at that time, I also got to attend the Perspectives class. Mm. I don't know how many of you have attended it, but if you haven't, highly recommend it. It just changed my life because it, sh it talked about missions, not just as something we do for God, but that God is in the midst of that. And God is kind of the author of sending his message out to every, to every tribe, tongue, and nation. So that's a little that's bit awesome. of where my hat is. That's great. So I know you're new in the role, but as you think about the role that you have here at Oak Hills, is there one or two things that you're kind of hoping happen as this starts to unfold and you lead in this area? Yes. Um, I'm going to actually borrow from what Shan said, right? Missions doesn't happen because I had a good idea and I can do it, but rather it comes from when we as a church connect and partner with the people that we are already supporting to see their work, God multiply their work. So my vision and my honest prayer is that I, as I come into this role that I can get to know all of you and then see how we can partner to support the various partners we have. Like one person can't do it all, we can't have a heart for every ministry partner that we have. I think I counted about 19 and there are actually more, but at least on the spreadsheet there were about 19. Everybody cannot feel the same passion for all, but how do we uniquely connect to the things that the Lord has placed on our hearts? So come and meet up with me. That's awesome. That. So Nina's email is on the screen. The thing that is so fun for me is to, you know, I mean, if you can't see Nina's passion, you might not be awake. So uh, my encouragement is if any of this burns in you, local ministry, overseas ministry, come talk to Nina, email Nina, set up a time with her, and I know she'd be uh, thrilled to get together with you. Thanks, Nina, for sharing. Jordan, you guys can come if you are here. Yep. Uh, the, the good part of this is it, again, new, new, uh, new year, rebooting this idea of mission, this idea that Good news is something to be shared, it's something to be offered, it's something to be poured out. And as you've heard in more than one occasion today, when we talk about living on mission, we are not talking about in some narrow way, oh, go get more people to come to Oak Hills. That is not what we're talking about. Sometimes that happens, most of the time it doesn't. And we are thrilled with people living beyond the walls of our church and bringing the reality of the good news into their neighborhood, into their workplaces, into our community in whatever way, shape, or form, and around the world. So just keep encouraging you to 
take action, take risks, talk to the people who have shared today, uh, reach out and find a way to get connected. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for this beautiful good news that you have entrusted to us, the hope of the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Life now and forever through the person of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins through the person of Jesus Christ. Hope in the midst of difficulty through the person of Jesus Christ. Life forevermore, now and after we die, through the person of Jesus Christ. The story that you've entrusted to us of good news, of shalom, of hope. My prayer is that you'll continue to cultivate in us leaders and people like Selena and Sean and Karen and Nina and Greg and others who will demonstrate to us what it means to live on mission, to pour ourselves out, that your good news might go forth. We pray all this in Jesus' name.